0: You're listening to Masters of Digital Transformation, brought to you by AIM 10X and hosted by Tony Saldana.
1: Welcome to Masters of Digital Transformation. I'm your host, Tony Saldana. And each episode, we bring you industry stories with insights into some of the top challenges around digital transformation, with a specific emphasis on planning. My guest today is Chris Gaffney. Chris was former VP, global strategic supply chain at the Coca-Cola company, and is currently principal at ECG, providing advice and consulting in the supply chain space. Chris is also a recognized industry thought leader. He was previously the president of the National Product Supply Group, a governing body responsible for 95% of volume produced in North America. Welcome to our show,
0: Chris. Tony, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to join you today.
1: And of course, Chris, your story goes way beyond Coke. From your beginnings at Frito-Lay, but um, with an edge of foundational experiences in supply chain throughout. If you wouldn't mind, would you uh, share with our listeners your backstory
0: on how you ended up being where you are? No, I appreciate it, Tony. I grew up in Washington, D.C., and In a family of of four. And what what I would say is my start in supply chain was always my first job delivering the Washington Post as a kid, (laughs) starting at age eight in the summer, all the way through grad school, I delivered the newspaper. And when I chose Georgia to do my university study, my first class in industrial engineering, I told that story and how as the paper boy, you were always trying to get back to go home to bed because it was so early in the morning but yeah. you needed to get it done and you needed to find a way to get it done with less effort as you went. And he said, that's yeah. why I think you became an engineer. We didn't even call it supply chain at that point in time, but I think that was my foundation in supply chain. F- fortunate to have great experience at Georgia Tech. And I had the opportunity for my first job to go to work at Frito. And you really had a choice at that time in Frito to either go into the plant and become a manufacturing engineer. Mm-hmm. or go outside, and they called it logistics. But that was really my the beginning of my experience in the field, learned a tremendous amount of foundation at Frito, and then had an opportunity to learn international logistics at AJC International, mm-hmm. a food trading company, and then joined Coca-Cola just about 26 years ago, and really had the opportunity to go through all aspects of the supply chain, at Coca-Cola, fortunately, with a good foundation in operations, and as I say, when operations don't work well, in many cases, we say it was the plan, and that really was my entry into supply chain planning, you know, operational planning, and ultimately into infrastructure planning and supply chain strategy, so just very fortunate to follow the field as it progressed over the course of my professional career. Fabulous. The breadth of your experiences within supply
1: chain, all the way from planning into execution, is tremendous. You've had technical experience, process experience, and leadership experience as well. Of the many things that you've done over the decades, what are you really most
0: proud of? Early in my career, like many people, I I had some bumps in the road, and Mm -hmm. I had a very formative experience in my first job at Frito-Lay. And I had a very challenging boss and I'd come and done very well academically in school and really you know, got some very difficult feedback, maybe only six months into my career that was very humbling and challenging. And I recall walking out into the parking lot one day and my face was hanging down like a dog. And one of the senior folks who sat in the same floor as me was walking out at the same time. And he said, "Sounds like you had a tough day." And he spent a few minutes with me as I told him the feedback that I'd received. And he said, "This too shall pass." And I, I, I never forgot that, and it, it made a huge impact to me, young in my career. And I realized I could never pay him back. And what what I committed to do at that time, and what I've continued to this day, is to try to pay that forward. And in retrospect, as I look at in many cases, some of the folks that I was able to provide some you know, of that coaching and feedback to, many of them have advanced to phenomenal heights in their careers. Even some of them have advanced beyond me. I've worked for a few of those people. And I would you know, say, as I look back at things, that's clearly the legacy that I will be most proud of as I look back on my career and, and frankly, will likely be the most lasting impact that I could have on people's lives and the field. Oh, that is so true, isn't
1: it? We live beyond ourselves through the people that we help develop. In the past, you've talked about also a separation among companies who are good at retaining people. What's been your experience here? I, I, I really do think that coaching and developing people as a strategy
0: is very important these days. It, it's a great question and a timely one. I, I talked to a mentee Just a week or two ago, and she's someone I've known her whole life because I'm close to her parents, and she's actually a liberal arts background person who went into the supply chain field. So I've spoken to her a number of times over her career, but we talked recently about a job shift that she made a couple of years ago, and she started in the field of international freight forwarding for what I would call a legacy company, a very highly regarded company, but an analog company. Mm -hmm. and was contemplating making a shift a few years ago to a digital leader in that space. And it was a difficult decision for her. And and so she and I talked about it. and She said, in retrospect, you asked me questions that I hadn't asked myself. And you helped me think through that decision. And it's turned out to be the right one. And I said, tell me why it's been the right one. And she said, I'm now in a culture, number one, a company that has a very simple mission that customers and employees can align on. We are trying to make international commerce easy for our customers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've done it through a significant investment in digital technology for planning and execution. And we are committed to the development of of our people. And she said that triangle clear mission investment in, in digital and commitment to people, has had an unbelievable impact. In my prior company, we were constantly defending our customers and our business from competitors. In this business, we have net promoter scores, high eights and nines. And we're always talking about what more we can do with our customers and how we can support their success. And she said, what I found is I can bring the best people into this field because of this environment. And I think that's just a tremendous insight. It is. And and it's so true. People will be, at the end of the day, the most
1: distinctive thing about any organization. Now, of course, Chris, um, one of the more vexing questions for established companies is how to take an analog company digital. You talked about your mentee and and some of our thoughts there. Of course, everybody wants digital transformation, but the question is where to start. What's your perspective?
0: I had a lot of time to To wrestle with that in my time at at Coke because really as, frankly, the advances in digital were accelerating, were time when I were in roles of influence in the supply chain space and in supply chain strategy and in supply chain planning. And being engaged in the field externally, I could see how peers and leaders were advancing. Part of my job was to bring that message into Coke and say, we need to get moving in this space. And it's a challenge in particular for companies that have venerated brands that are very successful. And it's also a challenge when you have companies or systems that have very advantaged infrastructure, Coke with a global distribution reach. So with that reach of brand and distribution, it's very hard for people to, in many cases, see that original case for change. And so I, I think we approached it in a number of different ways. In most cases, we tried to get senior people to go meet leading companies, whether it were partners of ours, customers of ours, to particularly see where this was moving from hype to impact. That was probably the first thing we did. And and then we really said, how do we take it to the operational folks? And we started to say, you've got to do something in this space. And, And we started in a very humble way, like some companies did with pilots and tests and experiments to get some exposure. And that took us so far, yeah. but ultimately we realized that we weren't going to make progress solely by random or targeted experiments, if you will. It, it becomes all about scaling at that point in time, isn't it? Yeah. I think we spent a year in what I would call that change journey, and maybe it was mm-hmm. a year and a half. and there were some people who were satisfied with that. They would say we're never really going to be leaders. We can't be in the R and D space. And part of the influence that, that I and others tried to give was yes, we can't be on a leading edge, but there's a risk at some point to be too far behind. So how (laughs) how do we take what we've learned and create our own journey? And clearly folks involved in this understand that idea of a, a digital roadmap. So we had to say, what have we learned about our ability to um, adopt new technology, both good and bad? How do we craft that into something that is aligned to our overall business strategy so we understand we're not doing this for the fun of it, we're doing it to try to improve our capabilities? How do we understand what foundations are required so that we're building a house that can have many floors and, as you say, scale and reach, And then how do we organize the resources to begin the journey? And I think that was really critical for us in that second stage of of the transformation.
1: Yes, you've done a fair amount of that in large enterprises. One of the most difficult challenges for people is that 90% of digital transformations actually fail at that stage. So the question really is, how do you overcome that challenge? If you've got success stories or other examples of how smart leaders start with the end in mind and you know really start to pull people along on the journey,
0: that'd be very helpful. Yep. I, we knew that stat. We'd heard that stat. And so I think there was a fair amount of, of caution. And my boss at the time, who was the, the chief technical officer for the Coca-Cola company, had heard that. So we were very intentional in our thinking about that approach. And that in and of itself, I think was one of the keys was that the ultimate alignment of the transformation had extreme support from the top, all the way up to the top of the C-suite. I think that's foundational. I said before, having it be aligned to the enterprise strategy for the business. And then in the case of our world, the supply chain strategy. So it was very clearly anchored when those underlying premises of, you know, you know, where to play and how to win. And we ultimately realized that for us to be successful, it could not rely only on the hardware of our business. We had to align it to the software. I I think we understood that you had to evolve from the simple idea of an experiment here or there and equip entire parts of your business with an end-to-end kind of plan. And we did that through that idea of lighthouse and we identified two or three geographies around the world that, that could be the lighthouses for us. We gave them the resources. We pulled resources from other geographies so they would be able to run the business and change the business. But also, we created those early adopters who could then take back the learning from the lighthouse and move forward. And I think those are the seeds of what has become something that has started to you know really gain momentum. That's fabulous.
1: It's actually interesting. Just a couple of days ago, I saw this small video snippet from Jeff Bezos on Twitter, where he talked about how ideation's really not disruptive, adoption is. And it's fascinating to see you know, how few numbers of organizations or organizational leaders really spend time thinking about how you're going to drive change. And, and this is something that you've obviously done extremely well. Now, um, Chris, in today's world, success in supply chain optimization isn't just about optimizing your company, right? It's, it's also about optimizing the whole network. And I wanted to talk to you about this because you drove end-to-end visibility using supplier collaboration and transportation visibility, among other things. You've been a pioneer in many ways in this particular space. How do you do this and what potential exists? to drive digital visibility even further into the supplier network?
0: Yeah, I, I think the insight that occurred for me at a point in time in my career was early in the days of integrated business planning. And we you know, called it sales and operations planning mm-hmm. at the time. And you're having to make forward decisions over multiple time horizons. And in many cases, when we would look back when things didn't go the way we would want we would find from other people inside of our enterprise, they would say, oh, we knew about that, but we didn't think it was important to you. (laughs) Or somebody was aware of that, but we didn't get it into the routine. And so the first learning we had was that inside of the enterprise, there was available information that wasn't brought to the table when a decision had to be made. Inherently, we're having to make decisions with limited information and with some ambiguity. And hopefully we're increasingly bringing tools to aid in that. But if if something is out there to be brought to the table, you gotta at least have that out there. My insight has been with suppliers and customers, the exact same premise holds true. Mm -hmm. And a good example with a, a large supplier that I was familiar with was at the near end in the sales and operations execution window They were seeing orders for material releases and they were very volatile, but internal to our system, we had shipment history out the front end of our supply chain, three to four weeks of information that if that supplier could see that more steady stream of outflows going to customers, they would have a much better ability to build a stable plan. And I think a few of those examples to me are the catalysts where there's no regrets opportunity to collaborate with customers and suppliers. Yes, you've got to build the foundations of trust. You've got to have the right commercial constructs. But before we get into the really exotic opportunities that are out there, sharing the information that exists amongst trading partners just gives us a whole leg up.
1: It's also very forward thinking to be able to do that, isn't it? Because I think in today's world, where people associate information with power, so to speak, especially in the customer supplier context, I think the ability to optimize the whole and then everybody benefits from it instead of your own silo is such a missed opportunity. Did you find that there were people in the industry, whether inside your company or outside, that looked at you a little strangely because of uh, this tendency of yours to go across the supply
0: chain? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. As uh, From a birth order standpoint, I'm a middle child. So I've always <laughs> been a collaborator. And I have seen situations with customers or trading partners where historically we would have a misalignment at the top. And what I would find when we would deal with the supply chain people in these same companies, that we could get beyond that because mm-hmm. we could empathize with each other. We were always dealing with the same challenges. If I'm your customer, you're somebody else's customer. As we go up and down the chain. And so, yes, I might have had some folks say, this is the enemy, if you will. But yeah. I was like, listen, we, we all do business with each other. We're yeah. intending to be in business for a long time. And so I would always say, let's bet on collaboration. And I play that long ball. And Over time, most of those people saw that we had a much better chance of that being a successful enterprise by playing win-win and and by betting that we were all out there with the same positive intent. I'm I'm glad that you persevered there. I think it's a huge opportunity.
1: Hey, Chris, this has been a lot of fun getting to know you, Chris, the professional. You've uh, given us a couple of insights from your personal journey as well. I'm just wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing something about you that most people don't know.
0: Most people who aren't close to me don't realize that um, I'm actually a runner. I don't look like many of the runners that you would see out there, but I've been a distance runner for over 25 years. One of the gifts that Coke gave me was I started running when I came to Coke. And I'm actually training for my 15th marathon here shortly, probably just after this airs. And I'll give you one more supply chain lesson from my my running. I, I believe work in our careers and the field is like a marathon, and you do have to pack for the long journey. But the reality is things are moving rapidly. So it's not just about plodding along. So I would tell you in my training tomorrow, I've got my speed workout. So even where I am in my mid-career, I'm going to go out there and run as fast as I can as part of my development for the marathon. So I think in our field, we do have to think about it as a long journey, but we've got to continue to invest to, to be able to have the speed that's also needed at times during that long race.
1: Oh, that's very cool. I I, I like that analogy. And, and, and again, thank you for mixing it up with the personal data point. Hey, Chris, it's been a real pleasure uh, chatting with you here today. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Now, Tony, you've had some icons in the industry on the field. And I'm humbled and I'm honored to have the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with you. And all the best in the marathon. I'm going to be rooting for you. Thanks so much.
1: All right. Excellent. Hey, for all of our listeners, thank you again for being with us today. As always, make sure you subscribe to our show to keep getting new updates. And uh, until next time, don't just implement planning, redefine it.
0: Thank you for listening to Masters of Digital Transformation. For more information, be sure to check out www.09solutions.com/aim10x.